Welcome to season six of the RAG podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, the RAG stands for Recruitment Agency Growth. And this show has been around since early 2019. And every week, we are obsessed with finding out how the world's most successful and innovative recruitment agencies and their founders have got to where they are today. In season six, alongside the founder's story and the inside information of that business, I also want to focus on the reality of today's economy. There is so much noise about this inevitable recession that we find ourselves in right now. And where it's going to go, is it really having an impact on the recruitment sector? Are they seeing any change in job flow? Are they seeing any change in candidate control or activity? What is going on? I want to find out. So every single week, I want to forget the propaganda, forget the noise. I'm going to speak to a real life recruitment owner and find out what is going on in their business. I will bring it to you every single Wednesday from 12 o'clock across multiple platforms. Stay tuned. Hello and welcome back to the RAG podcast on this week's show. I was joined by Matthew RAG, the CEO of Gattaca. Gattaca is an organization with hundreds of members of staff, 500 people across the UK headquarters, but internationally as well. And Matt has been in the company for 21 and a half years. His first role in recruitment, he's worked his way up into all sorts of jobs. He's done eight or nine different roles in that time. And just over a year ago, in the middle of in early 2022, he got given the CEO role, um, which he didn't ever vocalize as what he wanted, but really was what he wanted over the last couple of years. He's seen everything happen in this business. He's seen such an amount of change. And taking the CEO role from right from a, an entry-level recruiter um, is an incredible achievement. In this episode, we talked about his journey to becoming CEO, but also the work he's done beyond becoming CEO. We talked about his visibility, both internally and externally, how he still meets with clients, how he sends out uh, messages to his whole company every single Monday. He gives some really practical advice of how you can run a business and focus on growth and attrition. So he has he has dramatically lowered attrition and managed to turn the needle on a, on a growth trajectory. Matt is a young, energetic CEO, um, a huge, advocate for the for the industry you know we talked a lot about how too many people see recruitment as a, as a negative career and are a bit embarrassed by it Matt's super proud of it and he wants his whole business to be proud of it and um, I think he's one of the most inspirational young CEOs in our sector so you're going to learn a lot from this one without further ado Matt welcome to the RAG podcast thank you very much Sean nice to be here we, we finally got it in we did, yeah. Third time lucky. Apologies for that. It's um, took us a little while. They do say, what is it? Third time is third time. Third, third time lucky. Yeah, three times. Whatever. We we got there, and and, I, and I've been looking forward to this one because I genuinely believe it is a a unique story. I mean, they're all unique, but there's a very it's a very different angle than a lot of the episodes that we do. So or I do. So looking forward to it. Before we get into it, Matt, do me a favor. Give us the bird's eye view of your job. Like highest level you can give me the amount of people locations of the company today and then yep. we're going to go back to the start and tell the story yeah okay so yeah uh ceo of gattaca uh we're a listed company on the london stock exchange have been for a good number of years um focus on europe and north america hq has been in the uk that was our uh, that's our stomping grounds uh down in hampshire uh we're, we're about sort of 500 ish staff thousands of customers, thousands of contractors, uh, and then perm business uh, around the world, and then a, a great support team down in Cape Town as well. 
Amazing, yeah. And uh, is it Southampton? Am I making that up? Oh, Sean, you got to go close. We're, we're right on the border between uh, the, the Pompey postcode and the Southampton postcode. So, yeah, our history has quite a lot of blue-red divide, which has been really? uh, good which for some banter you, over the years. Which side do you lean on? Yeah, as, as a Pompey fan, I've had to take probably more of the banter. That, but um, your timing's almost perfect for that, but I better keep quiet because... <laughs> Yeah, a few of my staff are, are, are not appreciating Southampton season. But, uh, As we speak, they're on the way down, it looks for yeah, them. So, yeah, a uh, yeah, bit of smugness in your offices. Well, Matt, you tell us how you got into Gatwick. You have been there 21 and a half years. Just to Let's just sit on that for a second. 21 that's, a horrible, that's a horrible, horrible thought, isn't it? There's, no, it's there's people, amazing, people... amazing. You don't see it anymore, mate. I mean people's average tenure what, is about 18 months, two years now in a company. So like that is some serious loyalty. And I wouldn't expect you'd be there for that long unless you enjoyed it and it was giving you what you needed. So let's go. How did you get into in there in 2000? Yeah, typical one. No idea. Yeah, no idea what recruitment was or what I really wanted to be doing. Um, actually had a housemate who worked at the company um, and, and I was doing some... Uh, door-to-door sales and not really enjoying my lonely life and, and he was having a great time and earning loads more money and having lots of banter with people and I, I so I thought I'd give that a crack and didn't even tell him I was applying for a job at the same company and uh, found myself landed but probably like everyone will say didn't know what it was didn't really know if I'd enjoy it what well, certainly wasn't expecting to be there for 21 years um, but equally super proud to have uh, I, I talk often to the, the newbies we have joined our place about, I reckon I've had five days in those 21 years where I've woken up and gone, I can't be asked today. Uh, and that's amazing. I don't know many people in there who go there in a year without that in their other jobs. So it says a lot for the company that, that that's been the case. I bet, I bet. So what, what was your life like at the time? Were you, were you early 20s? Were you graduate? What was your situation? Yeah, early, early 20s, um, not wanting to, to follow the studies route of, of architecture. Not wanting to go into the family business, I love my dad, but I couldn't have worked with him. Uh, and that, that was an engineering company, good, successful one uh, locally. Um, but yeah, fell in and, and f- but kind of came in with a real two bits of luck that I talk about quite often. One, I think I looked about eight years old, so I knew whenever I was going out to see a customer, if I wasn't really on it and really know what I was talking about, I was just going to get laughed out pretty quickly. Uh, and again, I kind of numerous times kind of walked in and you saw him think what's my grandson's mate doing here rather than this consultant um and the other bit of luck was certainly in those early days probably a little bit of arrogance which i didn't do by design but i did tell everyone that i was a consultant not a recruiter and i I made a real point of that and actually what it made me do was really become very knowledgeable in my skill sets and my markets rather than focus just on i'm going to get you a candidate uh and and very quickly there was a great community of, of us in the business who we were very much trained in that way become real experts still couldn't write a line of software code to save my life but did know all the operating systems all the languages when they were coming obsolete who used what what price point and probably yeah. for me after about nine 12 months the penny dropped of you can make some decent money out of this and there's not that many people who really know this stuff they might know how to write the code they might know how to design the product but knowing how all those pieces come together uh, was pretty unique. Uh, so. I'd say I'd go back and say the same for me. Really, I think that was how I was taught to really. We, I did Lloyd's of London insurance market change management, so it was really niche. Yeah. And to the point where I knew what systems certain companies had, I knew their competitors had, I knew how it fit together. I remember once thinking I could probably be a BA, I could be a business analyst. The way I 
because I'd interviewed that many of them. And yeah, I, yeah. And I could challenge the way they ran workshops and their, you know, the way they process maps and things. I thought I could do it. Bear in mind, I'd never use like Microsoft Visio or something in my life. Yeah. In my head, I could do it. Um, and if, even if you can do it, it's like, you'd be good at this shot. I was like, I, yeah, I, really, <laughs> I really don't know the details, but I knew enough that, to be call it a proper consultant. And I think that's a great way of putting it. How, how did your career trajectory take off in the early days then? So you look young, you go for it, you start learning, the penny drops. How did it, yeah. how did it work? Yeah, early days, it was real tough grind, actually. I, I remember sitting there with a couple of really good colleagues and we were kind of, we, we've just landed in the wrong desk because other people were coming in and flying much quicker than us and we were doing all this really hard graft and it just wasn't quite coming together. Um, what we didn't realise was what we do was planting lots of really great seeds for the months and years ahead where we really did know the market. We might not have been filling quite as many jobs early on, but we really were getting our names out there far more uh, with a hustle hard. So um, it, it, it followed its usual path. I started as a perm consultant. Um, that went okay. Um, I'll get a few bit of banter from some colleagues that it was either great or not great. I normally go great and they put me in, a, in, my, in my place, but did perm for, for about 18 months. One of my candidates then became a client and gave me a contract opportunity. And I, and I had some wisdom with my manager that maybe I should try doing contracting and lo and behold, one of those contract business within a few hours of giving that a go uh, and really kicked on from there. But I've always, my, my, my kind of 20 years, I, I pride myself on kind of making myself redundant is the phrase I keep using kind of, there's an opportunity, I'll go and work out what it looks like, work out how to make it work properly, do that for 12, 18 months until it's really motoring, work out how to bring in to make it really great and happily move on to the next challenge. And though it's been 21 years, I've, I've had probably eight or nine different jobs in the organisation during that time frame, being quite happy that I'm bringing in some real superstars or developing some real superstars to take on what I'd started, but they've been far better at then kicking it on into to even more. So it's... It's that kind of constant pressure a little bit more. I bet you've had such a broad experience across the group as well. Like you've been involved in different teams, different divisions. Like talk us through some of the different roles you've had and like on a higher yeah. level. Yeah, so recruiter, or... team leader, manager, kind of typical. But that was all pretty quick. That was in the first sort of four or five years. Hmm. Previous CEO, three CEOs ago. Then I was quite vocal about there's got to be a better way of selling. Uh, why aren't we? We've got loads of people with loads of experience. Why aren't we selling from the top? Why are we always bringing in graduates and selling from from, from newbies? Um, so typically of, of him, he's a good mentor of mine. Went, well, why don't you go and fix it then? So kind of put in a, a central kind of BD strategy, built a marketing function, built a bids function. We then got pretty good at winning some bigger accounts. So then took on what we call our solutions business of MSPs, RPOs, um, grew that pretty successfully projects business came into that uh, and then probably the bit I hadn't had for quite a long time was real direct P&L because I was kind of going out doing strategic selling uh, on behalf of the whole group uh, so then took on our international business just pre-COVID survived through COVID I think we all had numerous jobs during that um, during that kind of the, the role had always been have that P&L but also a phrase I use I've got lots of terrible phrases but Kind of what do we want to be when we grow up? Uh, so always thinking about how's our product got to, uh, got to evolve? How's our style? How's our people strategy? Uh, so being vocal about that. Um, and then obviously the, the last step, um, which my cha chairman, when he offered me the job, was quick to point out, 
sure you want this, this to be the last job you have at the group, um, uh, which is true. Um, but the last step was obviously into uh, the proud position of being the CEO uh, or chief cheerleader, as I call myself. So we'll get to that in a bit. The, along that journey then, I guess, what's changed in the, how's the business evolved? So what was it, what did it look like when you first joined? Well, how yeah. many people in the company and, and how's it grown along that way? Yeah, it's, it was, um, so I, I joined, actually I joined a company called Matchmaker. So there's two companies, Matchmaker, which is brilliant. It sounds like a dating agency. Um, yeah, anyone would, you always got the call back, whether you left the message at the home, the husband or wife would make you call back. Or if you're calling the client, it was the one the PA definitely put through. Um, but we had Matchmaker and MatchTech, kind of heavy engineering, light engineering, uh, really companies. They, they merged pretty quickly uh, after, soon after I, I joined. Um, uh, and we, we just, we were probably about 30, 40 people in each business at that point. Um, very soon after that, we then, we, we were going on a, a big growth story. A lot of our narrative was biggest single site recruitment business in the UK. I think it, um, the founders were, were pretty sharp on that. We, we were quickly up to kind of 150, 200 people in one site in Hampshire, which was very unique. You had amazing team culture great whatever sport you wanted to get into you had your own team whatever night you want to go out there was always people going out yeah good southampton portsmouth banter going on it, it was a real fun environment it, it was i bet there wasn't many people like that down there there, there wasn't it, it was locally and, and clearly uh, if you go around hampshire now there's, there's a lot of our alumni who have set up and got great businesses which we're really proud of as well but at the time it was it was something a bit unique it was uh, if you had a bit of ambition something about you as a company you could go and work hard earn well but be in this really good team environment. And yeah, we had great fun, but it was the sort of thing, you know, it's like, if you have a tough call, that it, it, our work's not complicated, but it's bloody hard graft. Uh, and if you had a bad call, there was always three or four, four people having a fantastic call and vice versa. So you could feed off of that energy. And it was it was a real uh, r real positive environment to be part of. Um, we, we went on the stock market. All of us were brought up on keep your attrition under 20% and grow by 20% top line it was those two ones that were just every keep flying. And, and we were really well performing darlings of the stock market um we, we then like any business you, your trajectory is not linear um we then hit some some tough times and really over the last year or so it's it's the first time i, I think the business has now started going in a uh, a really positive direction for a number of years we had quite a bumpy few years through either massive changes we've had to get through complete global tech stack overhaul global infrastructure change, financial restructuring, let alone COVID. Um, but we also made some acquisitions, which were good acquisitions, but we didn't necessarily implement them perfectly. And therefore that that kind of challenged the kind of who are we as a business for quite a long while. Um, so yeah, we were a really good business, hit some bumpy times, started having some negatives. Um, I think you then get a decision as a business. Do you want to be the business that remembers the past and pretend you're still there and you just disappear or do you want to be the business that calls yourself out acknowledges where you're at puts the steps in and, and become a, a truly world-class business and clearly i'm i'm biased with the, i only see things through my lens but that's the journey we're going on at the moment we talk often about our journey to becoming a, a truly world-class business uh yes we were great we were a really good business for a long time but i think we've got uh, even more in us now You've just, I mean, I've got so many questions off the back of what you've just mm. said. 
first one would be, but you mentioned the alumni, right? Are you the oldest person, as in not not age, but have you been there longer than anyone else now? No, long services. We, we, when I took over the job about a year ago, you could literally look at the business and go, I've got a shed load of great people who've been there more than five years. And, and when I say more than five, I think our longest is 32. I've got a three or four of the sales team this year here hitting 25. Um, you've got a lot in the 5, 10, 15. So, and then we had a lot of business who have been there less than a year and still find their feet. I think now what we've been doing well over this last year is making it so we're bringing that next generation through. But uh, no, neither am I the oldest nor the, the longest serving. Uh, there's a, a little good team of us who've been there kind of 20 plus years who remember the great times, but also obsess about what does the future look like? So again, many, many phrases, but I, I talk about cherry picking the very best bits of our heritage and putting it with the, the best bits of our future. Uh, and that's what, the reason. What would you say those best bits are then? If you could highlight, like, and again, it's so long, but if you could box or bottle the best bits of, of, of the Gattaca business originally, which you fell in love with and kept you so engaged and created such great businesses off the back of it, like what was it that was so special? um it, it's it's the quality of the of the people and the culture like we've always had ambition we've always had great people doing great things but they've always gone about it in just the right way like uh george our founder very people orientated wouldn't tolerate and didn't need to tolerate because it was his kind of mindset just go about it in the right way treat people decently look after look after people do it do it in a proper professional but human way uh, and be very authentic and i think that was the that was the bit when when we, in, in my early days we were bloody really doing well we were really good but we weren't even looking at the rest of the market we we're just competing with each other as mates rather than anything else and it was just good friendly competition uh, and i think that authenticity and desire to do it in a really good proper way uh, is is why i think people stick with us are uh, oh, uh, we, we do regular kind of always on pulse checks from a staff engagement point of view. In the last 12 months, we've doubled our engagement. And there's a real, a lot of it is about authenticity. Um, it is about being really open and honest with who we are. Everyone's on the boat. What can we do to go faster? Um, and that's, that's really, I think a lot of people who do join us from other companies or other sales industries kind of talk about genuinely it's a place you walk in and everyone there is trying to make you more successful. I talk about my job as chief cheerleader or completely there to help people be as, as successful as they can be. That is quite different to some sales companies where it's maybe a bit more autocratic or it's it's process and just that's it and, and, and nothing else. It, genuinely, if we go about things in the right way and we treat people well, and we provide the right tools, they go on to do amazing things. Uh, and, and I think that's what's a little bit different about it. I wanted to quickly interrupt this episode to update you on what it is I actually do all day, apart from the RAG podcast, of course. Now, most of you know from the episodes that I am the founder of Hoxo, right? What you probably don't know is that we're currently working with over 250 recruitment agencies and over 4,000 of their recruiters around the world in every continent and helping these businesses brand themselves and the people in the company better. Now, we have built a creative team over the last six years that helps manage the creation of new agency brands. Obviously, the, a lot of the listeners in the RAG are starting their businesses uh, for the first time. But more often than not, we rebrand tired companies. So many businesses we work with are smashing it when it comes to revenue and performance, but their website and their online story was built 
back when they started for like 500 quid and it just does not represent who they are today. So we believe getting that right becomes your, building a brand becomes your anchor. Now, every good brand also needs traffic, right? You need people to see it, to come to the website, see you online. And that's where your people come in. So we work to either manage the personal brands of your team, or we can teach you how to build the brand yourselves. All of it is designed to give you consistency on LinkedIn that helps you stand out from the competition, show your personality, show and add value, and ultimately make more money. Now, I personally speak to potential new customers along with my business partner, Amma. So I would love to spend some time with you, my rag listeners that I potentially don't even know yet. Any of you that are interested in building a brand that's fit for purpose in 2023 and beyond, come and speak to us. Just click the link in the show notes, fill in the form, and we will be in touch with you within 48 hours to book a 30 minutes video call ASAP. Right, back to the show. So what was it that changed then? Because you're talking about this heritage and then it it's, it's didn't maintain necessarily the same standards or same culture. What was it that began to change and when was when was that change? Yeah, I think I think it's probably like any business, so you you, it, you only see it through your own lens. So it probably always always changing. But I just have my own journey through. We, we hit forty years uh, next August. I'm I'm sure there's probably been 10, 15 different iterations over those years. But um, we had some some big moments. We had a um, our old CEO who was quite literally the manager of our football team as well. Um, when he stepped down and we brought in a, a good, really good season pro for the industry, that creates a different dynamic of we've all grown up together to suddenly there's different mindsets and views and challenge coming in, uh, which we needed at the time, but uh, equally changed it. Um, we also went on a few acquisitions and say great acquisitions, great people within that, but we had different journeys. Uh, and, and one of the things we tried to do with, with one of the larger ones of that, which literally doubled the size is, we created this Gattaca banner over the top to try and wrap these companies together, but they had completely different journeys. Uh, and, and, and actually what that meant was we didn't have the authenticity in that, let alone different CRMs, different operating processes, different training, everything was different. So you suddenly went from a, a business that everyone knew everyone and everything, and you didn't really need to train that much because there was just a, a corporate memory to another business which had exactly the same and you move, move them all together and, and you lose control of it. And and, and that what was- symptoms, What are the symptoms that you saw to sh that proved that well, that was happening? Like, how do you know that? Obviously you can see someone's got a different CRM, but how do you know it's not necessarily having a positive effect on the wider company growth and, and culture? Uh, I think people are, people are smart, aren't they? If, it, um, uh, if you're trying to tell them one thing and what they feel is something completely different, you quickly lose that kind of kind of mindset. I think the um, I, I, yeah, you, you had a, a business, one business which was very much about we're going to start working with a customer and just grow market share, like customer centricity. We went from a recruitment company into becoming a solutions company with a project business, from doing engineering into doing engineering technology professional skills by just being really close to a small number of customers and going, well, what else can we do with you? You had another business, which is absolutely fine, but it was more, well, let's just sell to everyone. Let's get one or two, two people in at lots and lots and lots of different companies and charge high margins. So it's kind of high volume customer centricity with high margin spot business. So everything you do, if you were to start a business, you wouldn't say, let's do both of those at the same time. 
you go, let's get amazing at one, or let's get amazing at the other one. And all of that impacts your, your people strategy, your marketing strategy, your reward strategy, your systems, your, everything feeds off of what type of business you're going to be. Uh, and, we, and we did take these two big businesses and go, let's squeeze you together. Uh, and, and that was difficult. Would it not be good, though, in, in a way that I suppose if they've both got slightly different names and and obviously, you know, the market fluctuates, then one one might be picking up business in in a lot of accounts when the markets dip and vice versa. There's also a stability in the other one, which is a vol volatility. Is it not quite? It's like having contract and term. Is it not? Is it not? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think if we had our time to get uh, and hey, uh, I, I wasn't in a position I am now at that time, but I'm sure if we had our time again, that that can be really complimentary if you just leave them to be themselves. But yeah. what we did was kind of go, let's bring them together and then let's try and tie, let's try and knit that together. Let's try and force that together as opposed to just leave them and let people learn from each other a little bit more by osmosis over time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that there is a, uh, a real sensible theory that that could be very complimentary. Uh, and actually, I think all parts now, we're, we're clearly years down the line from that, the, the, the uh, customer-centric volume business has learned a lot of more around how to get lots more new business, new logo, but equally, this business has learned how to grow volume. Uh, and we, we quickly turned one of their biggest accounts into a European-wide solution, as opposed to a single-site one, which was actually their only solution. So we did get the real benefits, but there was also bits that we made mistakes along the way. Uh, and. and mean you're constantly doing a lot of work to try and stand still rather than rather than really go forward. Makes sense. And and again, on the topic of alumni, and yep. I know I'm not going to name them, but I know quite a lot of the people that have yep. obviously gone yep. out and done things. I've interviewed some on the show. Did it ever cross your mind when you're looking at other people leaving and you're like, these are colleagues and they're then becoming founders of businesses? Did you ever find, was there ever a moment where you thought, I'm, I'm probably, I should be doing this. I should be going out and setting my own up. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. I don't think, um, I think if, if people to assess me, they'd probably say ambitious person, uh, good at getting things going, starting building things. Why, why wouldn't you go and do that for yourself? Um, but at the same point, I, we the stuff which I, we we get to do as a bigger business is really sophisticated. It's it's really challenging on lots of different levels, uh, and actually, that would have probably taken 15, 20 years. To get back to some of the stuff that the business gets to go and and i love the fact as an organization we could be speaking to a someone who's literally set up their own business and they need their second hire equally we can be talking to a business who's a major oem who needs three four thousand hires a year and we've got the capability to, to support both really well or even deliver the outcomes engineering work so that level of capability to give customers and support and therefore colleagues career opportunities uh, was a massive draw for me. But yeah, I think mean, everyone looks at probably nine times in their first year of recruitment, don't they? Uh, this must be easy. Uh, equally, that passion for the organization, the passion for the colleagues we've got, and the passion for what I think we can now go on and do in our communities, I think is massive. Uh, and yeah, what is there, 40,000 staffing companies in the UK alone, something bonkers like that. But there's not that many globally of our sort of scale who can actually yeah. go on and then go and do something really exciting, both for, for everyone who works for this business and their career journeys they can go on, but also our candidates and customers. Uh, and that, that for me is the exciting bit, which we've unlocked bits of it as a business, but we've got so much more that we're going to unlock over the next two, three years, uh, which is, is properly exciting. 
did it ever cross your mind though? Like, did you ever have a? I know you said you've only had five days of it being where you might not want to wake up and be there, but was there ever a time where you thought maybe I am getting close to being a bit frustrated and you know things aren't necessarily how I want them to be? So there, there might have to be a route where I look at look elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, certainly coming out of COVID was a tough time. Um, I think for any business, any business leader, that it was it was an odd time uh, and, and very challenging. I think uh, as an organisation in a crisis, we really united. I think we did some great things. I think you also don't realise how knackered you're making yourself because you're oh, yeah. you're so motivated by survival and protection of people, and that's a that's a big thing for me personally. Um, but yeah, certainly coming out of that, maybe a year later, when a lot of people probably looked and went, well, hang on, my career is two years on. It hasn't really moved two years forward. Um, I've openly said I look to make myself redundant every couple of years. And it's like, well, hang on, does that now make it four or five years as opposed to the, the two, three year pattern? So yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a kind of post-COVID nakedness. Uh, and um, what, what do I want to do now? And what's my path? And I have this big paranoia on my on my shoulder of you're just not good enough. And I certainly didn't want to get to the point of going, I'm just hanging around for a job. I've never looked at it as a job. Uh, I might have had the odd couple more days here and there where it's like, it's a bit of a job. Yeah. But thankfully decided to um, stick with it, be vocal about uh, uh, supporting people and, and developing through. Um, uh, and yeah, we, we, we are where we are now, which... Uh, I'm really proud. That is, is a good How did the CEO role come about then? How did that actually transpire? Yeah, it, it's it's probably something that's had been talked about in the group for a little while. Um, we did have a lot of heavy lifting and shifting to get through, which I, I couldn't be more grateful to uh, our predecessors. And I say ours because myself and my CFO both succeeded them at the same time, so it was a, right. a kind of team swap out. Um, but uh, both both those chaps came a week they had we were still post acquisitions working on i think it was 72 different tech stacks globally wow. five or six different crms we had ir35 coming down the line we That's had a complete cool. operating model change we also had a financial restructuring to go through yeah i knew my business pretty well but i hadn't had that level of experience at all uh, and, and that was um, a lot of work. Even though we're a big staffing company, we're we're, we're still a medium-sized organisation at, at yeah. five hundred-ish people. So that took a lot of effort from a lot of people in the organisation who were also the ones trying to drive it forward. Um, but yeah, as, as we came out of that, um, interestingly, like unlike most other staffing companies, and this is where you just kind of got to own it. Um, Post COVID, everyone went from this is tough, this is tough, there's nothing about to biggest boom in the recruitment markets ever seen literally in I, I remember in february there was not a lot of demand in april there was a shed load and in april our 35 went live and in april we went live with our brand new global operating model and our brand new tech stack so we went from hundreds of people working hard through covid surviving and being fantastic team players to bringing back our furlough people plus hiring in loads of new people for the demand which we were just getting an influx on at the same point, we went from all those people knowing exactly what they're going to do to, oh God, we've got to relearn how we operate. Uh, and, and and that was, that caused a real inertia in our business. Um, so whilst every other recruitment business was going happy days and, and build, 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 we were actually in transition time. Um, thankfully, once we got through that, uh, we, we were then able to sort of start 
playing catch up with everyone. But uh, was this you in the role or pre the role? That was pre the role, um, and then probably about a year after the systems go live, uh, after all, the, all all those major changes. Um, clearly, the market's in a different shape. Um, timing was was right for us as an organisation. Uh, I think coming out of that and. I've been really vocal um, uh, out on various platforms, but I talk about my boomerangs a lot. Um, we, we've welcomed a lot of boomerangs back into the business in the first 12 months, um, which is really, really pleasing. Not something we've really looked at or talked about as a business. It used to be many years ago, if you left us, don't come back type thing, which actually is really not the case. I could see with all the challenges through COVID, the change of processes, the change of systems, I kind of got it. We made it really difficult for people to be successful. So I got why we uh, we were all a bit knackered and it wasn't quite as nice an environment as it should be. So I kind of understood uh, why, why a few people uh, had left. Uh, but we got to a point where actually things were bedding down now. We're a bit more into normality. It's time to reset and be looking forward at a positive trajectory. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the change was made. Take that job on. Did you have to... Were you up in like an interview process then? Or was it yeah, well, it's yeah, it's a uh, clearly the business knows me well, but um, yeah, yeah we, we've, we're a listed business. We've got uh, a full non-exec board. Uh, it, it, you have to go through certain processes and checks both within the board, but also with being on London Stock Exchange, you have to go through uh, aspects of that as well. Um, but yeah, uh, you, you go through that, which in what part you kind of go, I've been here for. 20 odd years um that can be a blessing or not but um uh in in this case it was it was something that i personally i'd never really been vocal explaining that i wanted it. it it's something that the business might have talked about or some in the business might have talked about for a little bit but it was the first time i kind of really ever went in 20 years actually yeah um uh, I, I i think i'm ready for a job like that now um and actually i kind of reflect on it go the the type of person i am the type of leader i am I think for the moment in time, it, it's worked working well in the fact that uh, even if you look at things like we just launched our purpose, vision, mission and values, which are, I've, I've been heavily involved in the curation of it, but it's something I'm really passionate about. I think the work we can do to really help society is huge. That isn't something as a business we talked about 20 years ago, really. We created a great business. It's a really high performing business, but it wasn't one which was looking out to the market around what else it can be yeah. doing to improve the market. Whereas actually that's a real passion of mine. It's, a, it's, it's really important. So I think actually the, the type of uh, people we hire, the people we develop through what I think we're going to go and achieve, actually it's, it's very much in kind of my natural kind of DNA. Um, so yeah. What, you, was, what was the interview like? What did you have to do? Um, lots of grilling, basically. I think, especially when you've been there and Hey, I, it, we, I talk about some real tough times. Everyone worked really bloody hard. It was always going to be difficult. You don't change those many things in that sort of environment without it being difficult. Yeah. Um, but equally, when you're interviewing at a company, when you they already know you as an individual, may, some of them may have known me very well. Some might have known me for 20 years. Most have known me from someone who was on the management board already yeah. during some times where we hadn't been performing really well. So I've got big level accountability myself. That, that puts different optics on it. It's If you've been part of that, senior leadership team during those tough times, um, how could you possibly be the right to change the, tra uh, the trajectory of the group? Um, so yeah, some some nice grilling, but hey, I've spent 21 years going out to customers and those early ones being eight years old, you, you're looking eight years old, um, don't have that problem anymore at all. Um, you, you just get used to that grilling and 
best bit of advice I got from one of my mentors is just be yourself. You can't trip yourself up by being yourself. And, and I, I, I stick very, very true to that. So what was that? You must have had a vision that you were vocal about enough to get the interview and to get the job, right? You must have been like, look, I think I've been here. I'm part of the furniture. I've seen the highs. I've seen the lows. I've seen the integrations. You know, you knew you knew the DNA of the company. Yeah. How, how would you describe what the vision was that you you sold to them to get that job. And then obviously we can talk about you putting that into into, into play, right? Yeah, I think it is, um, it's knowing every aspect, but equally um, knowing that this is going to evolve. So yeah, there, there were some obvious things around culture engagement, uh, the, the, the amount of success people can have in the business when they're engaged is, is night and day compared to disengaged. So clearly there were some metrics to be able to point out as far as we've, we've got to improve. So a big part of it was around um, people, structure, environment, communications. Um, one of my first bits of luck in the job, actually, we, we used to have something. This is this is a good example, I think, of cherry picking the best bits of the past, but doing it with, with direction of the future. I remembered as a, as a lad, every Friday afternoon, you'd get an email from the CEO with a, who's done what? It was kind of, you wanted to get yourself onto the radical. Um, at the time, it was a 10-minute email to read, and you'd be quite flippant about it. Now, I know, God, that probably took a day of that CEO, a week, to walk around, to really understand the business, who's done what, decide who to acknowledge, who not to acknowledge, because signaling is important in all directions. Uh, and actually, we, we weren't communicating as much, because frankly, we were working on so many things. It just became around, get this done, get this done. So one of the first bits of luck I, I made a promise to the business is that you're going to hear from me every week, um, and, and not on a Friday when you've got uh, we, we've got a number of working parents, part-time workers, compressed hours. So it's like actually I want you to hear from me Monday morning, start of the week. What went well last week? What we're we thinking about this week? And kudos to the team. Uh, and that started that through an email or through a meeting. Yeah, it's the first four weeks started at. Uh, four o'clock in the morning on a Monday morning going, I've got to get this sorted or some angst over the weekend. Uh, and then actually I kind of, I, I took another kick to it because I, I think one of the strategies I talked about during the interview process was about being far more external and being far more communicative. So did something which I'd had my head of marketing, both of them actually for, for years kind of go, Matt, we need to get you on video more. You're, you're out with pitches all the time. You're naturally good at talking with customers. Let's get you on video. And I hate it. I hate my voice. No one likes the way they look. I'm aging badly at this time of my life. But we flip that. And actually now every Monday morning, a video goes out to everyone, wherever I am. And we've then shifted that to keep it fresh by getting other members of my senior leadership team in. The lucky dip on Halloween was the unlucky one was to pull out. And we had people from the business do it. But it's become a bit of our new cultural kind of um, symbols that every week people were here. What have we done? What's happening this week? Uh, and who's done a good how job? Do you, how do you put that together then? What do you, is it just like something you do on a Friday afternoon? Or? Yeah, initially I had, I, I'm full of ambition and then I hit reality. So initially it was, no one needs to tell me anything. If I'm, if I'm doing my job well enough, I'll just know who's done a good job. That lasts about four weeks. And then I realized we've got teams all around the world. Everyone's doing a great job in lots of different ways. Um, so we have different comms platforms for people to, to, Kind of volunteer it managers put it peer to peer yeah. uh but equally a lot of it still happens from just walking the floors i i 
I got rid of our exec suite straight away. Uh, I got rid of my offices straight away. I just set out on any of the sales floors. I tend to move kind of every hour or so. And when you're just sitting in the environment, you pick up loads by osmosis. So still a lot of it is just kind of what we observe as a senior leadership team. But then it has become a bit more, well, people want to get their name up on that. And that's a, it's a really nice way of being recognized. We used to do most of that at an end of quarter presentation. And they were great. They were really good banter. And it was getting your name up and lights. But this was just a bit more real time every week. Uh, and yeah, you, would, you can always put your big pillars up or your great performers up. But actually, in the moment, this could be as simple as someone just trying a bit harder, striving for something a bit better, dealing with a bit of a challenge uh, in the in the right sort of way. Uh, and it's it's been a really nice platform for me to really signal what I think great looks like. And we've we've added to that a, a lot of things. So in this first year, we've driven out uh, a brand new global performance management program that happens every quarter, every same two week period. Everyone around the world goes through the same performance management conversation with their manager, but which is really structured around not just results, but also activity, but also behaviors. And within the behaviors, we've really been cleared to tie them back to our values, but also what we see is both good and bad or challenging and champion behaviors. So we've been really clear about what we think good does look like so that any manager, any people leader around the business can really say, oh, well done. That is exactly the sort of thing we're after. One of my beefs, uh, for us as an organization over a good number of years is, is we kind of lost control of what great was. Uh, it was difficult to articulate. One thing meant something to something different to everyone else. Um, I won't tell you my terrible analogy because it is terrible, but we weren't being clear on what game we were trying to play or how we we're going to play it and whether you were playing right back and good at the long ball or whether you were playing in midfield and it was ticky-tacky football or even whether it's football or rugby. It was just we're out playing a game. Uh, and I wanted to be far more overt, not autocratic, but far clearer on what we think great looks like so that people know how to challenge me or anyone else in the business if the standards start to drop. And I think that communicating... The, the good stuff is a really powerful way of reiteration that and rebuilding that corporate memory, uh, which is the journey we're on at the moment. And I mean, I'm just literally thinking about because we have a Friday wrap up at lunchtime and then we, we have Fridays off, afternoons off now as a company. But if I'm brutally honest with you, like there's never anyone there because it's Friday afternoon and, and most people take that day off if they're going to use annual leave now. Yeah. So it's like you just made me think, why am I doing it? Why don't I change yeah. it to Monday? And just kick the week off as a group with a, I mean, do you always do it recorded rather than a group meeting? Then do you have do you actually have a town hall catch up maybe on a monthly basis? Or? Yeah, I think probably everywhere. I saw another batch of our new starters the other day, and I instantly apologise for the fact they've seen my face a lot without having even met me straight away. So they're always by videos, but we do do structured quarterly town halls globally. We had our end of quarter on Friday which again, we're just trying to mix things up. The the best bits of our past of end of quarter always felt like end of quarter. It was a day to acknowledge, but part of our future, it wasn't just sat in the office. We took, I think we had something like 180 people went dragon boat racing uh, in a location, which was equidistant in the UK between our London, Winnish and Whiteley offices. Yeah. Half the people participated, half the people just had a great time watching them. So we have lots of different activities, but yeah, we have our end of quarter town halls. I do quite a lot of just informal Q and A's um I've, I've i've always done it with my own teams just kind of sit there even if it's awkward sometimes just go what do you want to know uh and you, often i found you you find out what people really want to hear about 
rather than what do you want to tell them uh, and that's far more powerful uh, on top of that we have we have, we have something it's a workday product now but it's a staff engagement tool which is always on but i think we've had something like eighteen thousand anonymous comments on that in the first 12 months of this job i've replied to over half of those myself so i mrs rag kills me for it because it get up, uh, eight o'clock in the evening through to whatever time in the morning with a couple of glasses of wine but it's a really nice way for me to see what what do people really think what are they really venting about what are they really happy about is that people have been there years is it new people is it that location is it this location is it that product line and it helped me to really kind of understand actually oh i think we've said this i think that's really clear but it's obviously not uh, and there's a lot of communication we've done but we are in that cycle now of it's the same stuff we're reiterating it's not something brand new and different and please this today go right tomorrow go left it's guys that's where we're all going as a team this is what we're up to but this is how we're going to get there and just being consistent with that and then getting the hell out of people's way and letting them be super successful um, knowing that we're working better as a team and all aiming in the right direction you you're running a much bigger ship than me right and mine's like 30 people yours is 500 but i do find that even at my level there's there's, there's often so many different projects running and it's, it can be a bit overwhelming, right? To be able to like sit above them and know where everything is. And so how do you get, how, what's your advice for make, making sure you you have a health check on what's going on and you know where to prioritize your time? Because you could you could put loads of time into something and be dropping the ball somewhere else and not supporting yeah. the right people. I'll, I'll let you know in a few years time when I've nailed that because I, I definitely haven't. Um, I'm sure there'll be some of my colleagues who listen to this and go, no, he gets that wrong every day, Sean. So, um, uh, uh, hey, uh, we've both been at desk recruiters in the past. I think recruiters often have an amazing sense for prioritization. There's a lot of different things you could do, but that you learn over time. What's the bit which is really going to move the dial? So there's an element of instinct to it. Uh, there's also a massive part. One of our main values is trust. It's if I've been explicit on the direction I want us to go as a business, and I have been explicit and I've made sure everyone had a chance to challenge and debate and be involved with that. Then it's about trusting people to get on and, and do that. Now, that's the bit where I, I, I struggle personally because I'm so passionate about things being truly world class. If you spot something, sometimes I fall foul for trying to jump in and fix it rather than just signaling that it's not quite going in the right direction. But I've got a great team around with my senior leadership team, um, which, which is great. We've also got one of the things was about developing through the next generation leader. We've got a lot of people who are super passionate about this group, super capable individuals who have had a, a an opportunity now to step up. So we, we've got we've got a community that is really trying to do things in the right way together and go on an exciting path, which I think I'm really lucky for that. Uh, I don't need to look at my tech stack overhaul. I don't need to worry about my financial way. I don't need to worry about the, I, I just need to be focused on having truly world-class people, providing great careers to them, giving them the right tools, helping them uh, to be as great as they can, as quickly as they can. That's a far easier job. Um, uh, we, we do, as a senior leadership team, have very specific um, OKRs, um, which we've opened in the business around about what they are, and we kind of allocate them all to our superpowers. And I've, I've set my team up in roles which play to their strengths rather than a structure, and you must fit that. It's more, if you're bloody brilliant with clients where you get out and do the client stuff if you're the most processed or you've got so we're playing to our strengths as a team which enables me to do a bit more of that 
So what is it? Give us an average day in your world, like paint a picture. Like what, what would a normal day look like? Um, what is a normal day? I don't know if there's a normal day. I, 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 I am a person who loves to be busy. I do like spinning lots of plates. My, my, my idea day, I had a Monday was kind of, um, it didn't work well for us trying to do this first recording. In fact, I had three issues straight away on the Monday. So it's probably a, it was probably a good thing we didn't do this recording. So I probably would have been a little bit grumpy, but actually for me as well, by the way, halfway through the, the slot we had planned, the builders who were creating my office outside cut the electrics off. So I went bang, no yeah. power, no energy, no, no, no Wi-Fi. So we wouldn't have been able to do it anyway. There you go. It was, it was fate, Sean. It was fate. So, but post having those problems, uh, I actually walked into a meeting with my senior leadership team, one of my team. And this for me speaks volumes before we actually got into talking about what we were going to focus on that week. He just went, you're grumpy. Let's start with something different. What are you happy about, Matt? Like, what are you grateful for? And we just went around and saying, well, we don't normally do that. That that sounds, but actually it was great for a kind of, to know you've got a team which can call you out and get you back on track to be productive was quite symbolic. Uh, so as a team, we then spent about an hour and a half. Kind of, the team? So we've got a, uh, a chief sales officer, chief operating officer, um, one of my senior kind of sales and fulfillment, CFO and CPO, um, right. so uh, the, the six of us. Um, an hour and a half of kind of working through our major projects, major personal objectives, how we're progressing with that, update on the on the, on the, the client pipeline. Then I think I was straight out into a long service award. So we've changed that as well. That used to be kind of a quite a formal letter to individuals, thanking them for getting to five, 10, 15, whatever years. That's now a top trump that their team complete and kind of highlight their superpowers and basically give them a bit of banter around uh, funny things that have happened and then I have half an hour hearing about their story, their journey, highlights, the funniest things, what they'd love to be doing in the future, which has been a really great way of making sure I'm still really connected to everyone in the business and I've just done one earlier today actually. Uh, and and it, it's a bit embarrassing, but that's why we're putting these things in place. Some of these people I haven't actually ever had, had a real proper conversation with before, but actually putting these in place has enabled me to really well, get... Well, Zoom on a Teams meeting for half an hour, no, no, it, we, we do it in person. Um, they get a bottle of bubbles from my favourite uh, favourite place. They get a little pre-warning as to sort of questions I might ask, but it is understanding what's the one thing I can do to keep improving the business. What would they love to do differently? Who do they think is a superstar in the business? What's been the worst thing that's happened in the last year? Where do they want to take their career? But it's, it's kept me really well informed of the organisation. But we have one of those. Um, I walk around our sales floors a lot, so just checking in with everyone after end of quarter, making sure their Friday night was great, making sure that they're uh, they're on track for their pledges this week, and we've got a big quarter four uh, initiative at the moment, so just checking in with people to make sure they know what they're doing to try and win those prizes. Uh, and then I was out on the road for the afternoon, going to see some current and some previous customers, and, and sharing what we're up to as a business now, and why we're better than we were, uh, even though we were great, uh, and where I think we're going to take us, so kind of sharing that and getting insights. How does the client side work then? Like, do you personally just drop messages to people you've known for years and be like, "I'd love to come and see you," or does someone try and book you in, or like, where's it? How's it happening? A little bit of both. Uh, I, I, I think that's one of the bits as we progress as a business that I want to do more and more of. I, 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 I love it. I think it's a great way of getting a true benchmark of. What do customers feel? We do a customer engagement survey. We get great scores. We're up at 8.9, I think, out of 10 straight away, which is nice. But that's a moment in time. And having half an hour, hour and a half of coffee and 
on and see talking about individual journeys and where you, their business is going and what we're thinking about is far more interesting um, and far more informative. Um, it's a bit, I, I think we will get more and more structured about. Um, but yeah, it is people I've known for 20 odd years uh, or it's um, people that anyone in the sales team knows are happily go off. We call it a CRO. It's part of our history. No one's quite sure what CRO stand for, but it's a client visit. Um, uh, everyone knows I'll happily go see it, whether, whether it's to help them qualify one job or whether it's to talk about a thousand contracts and migration program. I just want to be involved with the customer uh, and, and, and lead by example of getting out in the market as, um, yeah, uh, and making well, sure we're controlling. That, do you find that that, do you ever feel like you're stepping on toes in the team though? Like if you go to a meeting and you're doing all the talking and they're just sat watching? Yeah, I think at times, yes. But I used to I, go out I, with, If I jump on a yeah. call with one of my team, they'll just wait for me to talk and it'll be like. Yeah, I, I think the, I used to go out a fair amount with some of my previous CEOs. What you learn on that car journey or in that meeting will be eight weeks of probably solid training because you see how they handle the room, how they talk, how they own the conversation as far as accountability for it. You, you pick up snippets. So uh, I see it as a, as a great, if I can get my 21 years of experience into a brand new person within 21 months, I've nailed my job. Like that, that is the kind of the holy grail of how do we help everyone? Um, another one of my many taglines at the moment, which I pinched from HP was, if Gattaca knew what Gattaca knows. Um, if I can get all of that knowledge we've got across from the, we're, we're, we're well over half a million people we, we've helped over, over our existence. If we can get all that knowledge and market insight, et cetera, and get it into everyone who's joined the organization as quickly as possible, the world-class business will look after itself. Uh, so yes, it is a bit difficult, but I think that's helpful. Equally, I have one a little while ago uh, um, where I went out uh, on the pitch and there's a couple of people I'd never seen in a customer environment before. It was amazing. Like, you could see some amazing talent and it was like, oh my God, how's this person been hidden away in the business, right? We've, we've got to find a route of how, how do we get them developing through because there's a lot, lot more that they can be doing as part of this team. So both from a give, from a learning point of view, but an observation of you're, we're a people business. It's We are only as good as everyone in the organization. It's a great way of me getting to know that. Um, and some of them are also, will we'll go solo for people I've known in the market for 20 years, but I've been chatting to candidates and clients for a very long time. Um, uh, I, 15 years ago, I was vocal about why aren't we selling from the top? So I'd be a pretty hypocritical CEO if I wasn't leading that charge uh, today as well. Yeah, I love it. In terms of a world-class business, you've mentioned that on a number of occasions in this interview. What do you quantify or clarify like what's involved in a in what you believe to be a world-class business especially in a recruitment business yeah i think it's um it's one we're still working out how to articulate so at the moment it's a phrase that i've used which is now pointing heads which is always a, a a good way to start i often get kind of asked what what do you want us to look like in three five years time how big do you want us to be how many is it over a billion turnover by that time how, how many candidates are we placing uh, or projects are we delivering in that time frame uh, and I often go, actually, that they're not the metrics which my shareholders may or may not be happy about. They're not the metrics I look at. The, the metrics I'm looking at is is actually, is this an environment? My number one, this is very personal. Is this an environment that if my daughter said to me, I want to come and work at the, the company, Daddy, I'd say, yeah. And if it's not, that's my first problem because I'd be going, well, why not? What, what have we not done right 
for me not to think that's the right environment for her to come and join. But then it is career journeys, how are we really delivering value for our customers? Is a candidate able to join us? And we've just recently got a new partnership where we are helping uh, socially deprived kids around the UK get access to great STEM-based work experience. I want those, one, I really want to help out those individuals who will have a sliding door moment because we will be able to provide a connectivity that otherwise they won't be able to get themselves. Um, so I, I want to help those individuals, but I also want a business so that individual could happily go my various different brands and products in the business, they're going to be my career partner for the rest of my life. And actually could be looking at us as a business and go, how do you expedite my career? How do you help me set up myself as my own business? How do you help me become a leader? How can I come an alumni? How do I develop future talent? They should be able to work with us all the way through. I think if you're doing that, but doing it with really super high standards, um, our, our industry, massive frustration of mine is you, you ask anyone and everyone apologizes for being a recruiter yeah. everyone says they fell into it everyone puts it down but every business that's got a world-class recruitment function is a winning business if you have the best talent in your business you win whatever game that company is playing they win and i think it's really under able to articulate that and prove it and having everything in place which enables us to do that for our customers that, that being proud of that isn't it being exactly proud of the impact you have like you just nailed it there. But look at like, you know, I'm a big Man City fan, right? And I'm watching them play against West Ham last night. And I'm like, the recruitment of our team, yeah, you can, obviously we've got investment and we can afford it, but we've still had to spend that money. Well, look at what Chelsea have done. Look at what yeah. United have done. And look at what we've done. I'm like, the, the culture and the recruitment together yeah. is incredible. To drop two or three top players and others to come through and play the way they play and the attitude and the way they fight for you, like, you know, it's 88 minutes with three nil up and Phil Foden sprinting 60 yards across the pitch to put a tackle in and he's up front or oh, he's playing number 10. I'm like, you don't see that in most, it's a world-class culture, right? Yeah. And it is trying to work out what is that in your business or in and it, every business, like you say, it's it's the people, it's the right, it's the, it's the human beings and then it's the person who fosters what they want them, it's the vision that they want them to follow and then it, that those two things surely is, is yeah, what it's all about. If, if I look at um, how are we going to probably measure this ourselves with these, these quarterly performance review programs we're, we're doing, which really they're, they're structured career conversations is the, is the biggest value from that. But at the moment, at the output of that, I get to see a view of 500 people around the world as to based on behaviours, activity and results, who's excelling at all, who's excelling at two or one or none. And how do we help them get better at that? The the, the judgment really in number of years time of, of me and has this been successful is what proportion of our workforce are all, all in behaviors that are great, all in activities that are great and all being supported on the types of activities to help them be, be super with that next generation coming through. And that, you, you know, this, this, this game recruitment, it is always about getting great new people to come in and complement and grow your, grow your teams out as well. And having it to the point where you've got the best talent gravitating towards you to be part of your journey is a, is a great sign. That, that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm really happy, both with our external hires, which are new to the business, but also our boomerangs, because there's some truly world-class people in that, that for their own reasons, walked away from the organization at some point, but for their own reasons have gone, no, I really want to be part of this exciting journey that you're going on uh, and bring the knowledge they've gained 
at other organisations in other markets and other jobs and bring it back into a culture and environment and community that they really want to be a part of. Uh, and that, that that excites me, that that kind of ability to unleash people's great potential is really exciting. Um, it's not what the Matt Ragger 20 years ago would have talked about because it would have been about, I want to break this record, I want to win this, I want to do that. But actually the Matt Rag of today is, is very much about actually how do we get that right, right environment to create a really great legacy in this organization. I'm interrupting today's episode to tell you about our sponsor, Recruit Hub. What I want to talk about today is someone very, very close to me and Hoxo. You might know Aaron Hawthorne. Aaron worked for us for over two years and he finished in January 2023 to launch his own recruitment company, IXL. Interestingly, when Aaron told me late last year he was launching, I was super proud of him. But I was even more excited for him when he told me he was doing it with Recruit Hub. So Aaron had always wanted to run a recruitment company, joined Hoxo in the pandemic, was amazing as a sales guy for us, building brand, totally adopted our methodologies, but there was clearly an itch he had to scratch to go out there and see if he could build his own business. The reason he chose Recruit Hub is because they had so much experience, guidance, support that could guide Aaron through the process, but also take the pressure off his shoulders. He focuses on recruitment, fully supported by their finance, their operations teams. They've also got discounts and a full tech stack that he plugged into from day one. I know from Aaron, because he's my mate and I, you know, I work with him for so long, that he's actually performing really well. So he started at the beginning of 2023, he's billed over 30,000 pounds and He's just texted me this weekend, actually, saying he secured another deal. A lot of it came from the Hoxo Academy processes, which is exciting. But the, the truth is, he's loving it. He's billing. He's making money. He's profitable. And he's feeling supported, which is honestly, I think if you're on your own and you want to launch a recruitment company, you could do it on your own. Of course you could. But it's a pretty lonely place. Doing it with Recruit of the 70 other businesses in the UK, US and UAE that you're part of a community of. There's any question you need to have answered will be answered through that community. So if you're thinking about launching your own business, why not go and check out Aaron's story? You can do that by going to recruithub.com forward slash case studies forward slash launch stories IXL. You can see the link attached to this episode. Right. Let's get back to the record. What, what would you say the economy or how is the economy affecting the business today? Like we're in q2 or a calendar q2 i don't know if you're you're running a slightly different rotor um but we're a lot we're at the beginning of may 2023 there's no secret that this this year has been trickier for the industry than than previous two years i suppose what's the reality in your business right now it's, it's a very interesting obviously one of the different challenges that we've got of being a listed company and a lot of people go that must be that's a lot of hard work and what what's the Every six months, you've got to tell everyone what you're doing anyway. Um, there's nothing to hide, which actually goes really well with our kind of open book authenticity anyway. That's why I like it. Um, but the reality is, I mentioned earlier, coming out of COVID, we missed the biggest boom in the recruitment market as a group. Um, horrible to say that for someone who's super ambitious and been in the, in the market in the industry for many, many years, but we did. But what we've got now is you've got a market which has which peaked a while ago and then starting to, to suppress, albeit we're in STEM, supply and demand has never been in, in the right waiting uh, from a client point of view. So, but what it has done is kind of decreased client confidence and candidate confidence a little bit and stretched out um, decision-making. 
but as a business, because of all the stuff we had to go through as a team, all the changes we have to do, we were coming out from a low base. We were coming out from, and we've been, it's about iterative improvement of our organization. So yes, the macro market creates some additional challenges because it has slowed down the decision-making and suppressed the demand a bit. But actually we are in a business at the moment, which is very much week in, week out. How do we improve each week? Because we've still got plenty of headroom before we get back to the point where everything in this business is humming perfectly. So for me, I'm quite excited. Who knows how it's going to go? This, this could be a, uh, a time frame which goes on for a really long time and, and actually we get to that negative in the market and it just stalls us. Or we keep building and improving and improving and improving and improving and right when we're getting to the point of the market that the market starts improving so whilst everyone else is in a different trajectory of fixing we're on a nice consistent trajectory of, of improvement so it, it, is it impacting us for sure um it, what, it, what it, metrics are you measuring at the, at the level you are and what are you genuinely seeing um so metrics wise i, I am a little bit this goes back to the when do you get involved and when do you not? Um, I, I've put something out now for aimed for all of my sales leaderships that every single morning all of us get the key metrics for each other's areas every single day and align that to what's their team's PB so they can see with two days ago how many more of whatever that metric is has their team got to do in order to break their PB. Not to hit a number, but just to say that's the best we've been. So I see that every morning. It is something I look at every morning when it, when it comes through. The bits I'm really looking at, though, is is demand coming in. Uh, are, are we still seeing the flow across contract and perm, and is it the right sort of mix? Uh, and what is our conversion rate? Uh, and, and what does that look like? And, and clearly, if, you, if you're seeing slowdown in demand, then you need to look at how do you pivot. If you're not seeing slowdown in demand, but you're seeing slowdown in conversion, what are the levers you can try and pull to try and enable that to, to increase? Um, it, it is... You, you, some things you can react to quickly, some things you can react to slowly. So for me, it's looking at those and trying to take a balance for you and going, actually, flow's fine. We've just got to be comfortable. It's just got a bit tougher uh, and be okay with that and support everyone. Or are we collectively not hustling hard enough? And in which case, let's own that. Let's call each other out. Let's understand why. Uh, and let's let's try and look at how we can make it so that we're doing more fun activities to try and try and offset that. And, and we're, I say, we're very, very much, we're, we're Year one into this, we've certainly not nailed anything, everything. We, we've done a, a lot of good things in the organization, which I'm super proud of, but a lot of things we've got wrong. Um, but we are at least every week going, um, how do we improve? What What is it that we've not done that we could have done uh, and, and try a little bit more and a little bit more? Uh, and, I, and I'm sure if you, if you take a two, three year view on it, I know we're going to be in a far, far better place than we have been for a good number of years. It would just be the speed that we get there rather than will we get there. Yeah. So final question is, where are you heading then? So you talked about world-class, you talk about fixing issues, hopefully at the time, the market, you know, everything running humming, I think you said, which is probably a little bit of a euphoric moment that will never exist in a business. Yeah, I mean, no, you won't know it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm learning that one that there'll always be problems no matter what yeah. you do. Um, but how would you quantify or measure or, yeah, what what is the, the objective and goal that's a bit more, yeah, what is a bit more objective than being world-class? Like, what are you trying to do? Is, is there any lines in the sand you've got to go and go, go and get? Yeah, so we, we got our 
leadership team together a few weeks ago because we are in a odd cycle we're hitting our we're, we're literally q4 now we just started our final quarter where we finished at the end, end of july um I, I've, I've been clear to kind of set out to the leadership team where what shape of business i'd like us to be in three years time and what our priorities will be for the next 12 months of the financial year so that as we go into the final quarter and go into budgeting timeframes and that sort of people know what i'm thinking so that it's not the right you've built everything and then you go to dar and i go well that's just not good enough it's just a waste of everyone's energy so i've been clear uh, on the shape of the organization uh, and, and that's things like what type of business whether that's contract or perm whether it's high volume low uh, low volume whether it's blue collar whether it's white collar which sectors it's in i've been pretty explicit as to where i think there's great opportunity for us to grow both in the next 12 months but also a, a three-year period so we set those out and then we allow and enable we, each of our kind of sales owners our business leaders they build their plan around well what what can they do as part of that and you take one of my brands barkley mead really great professional staffing recruiter more permanent contract that is not suddenly going to flip its terms of contract mix because that's just not who it is and that's fine but it will be talking about how is it contributing to opening up the new logos because it's a spearhead into other organizations uh, and how is it then going to help cross sell to bring in the other service lines in the organization whereas another business unit which is far more about um, market share we'll be talking about right how are we going to grow from 50% to 80% at these key customers so it's about setting having a clear view of what you'd like uh, as a leader of a business and then empowering and encouraging every leader to go well what's my version of it but not just create something and then crack on and do it well you've created it let's challenge it let's debate it let's understand it and then how do we support you and then let's all go on that journey rather than it being a one PLC view and let's all do this because none of my desks are identical across every part of the of the, the group but actually within teams they've got commonality so what are they doing to contribute to the group goal and how do we support that and is it still that 20 percent attrition 20 percent growth is that what you that, that, that for me there's, there's a there's a mantra to that um i think uh, obviously we put a lot of numbers out as a listed businesses to different metrics we're going for we put different rewards in place for leadership around attrition which we've never done before uh within their old tips uh, we put a reward in based around staff engagement within every leader's bonus this year so th there's key bits for different parts of that jigsaw um but the important part is being clear on what the end goal is and then seeing how we help the business go and get that rather than dictating to the business how they must go and get it but you got could you explain what that is it too big a thing to explain that the clarity on the end goal uh there's lots of moving parts to it so probably yes we're, we're, within a few minutes uh equally i suppose elements to it has sales strategy and also economic aspects which you then put your kind of plc hat on and go what do you put in your in your annual reports and your updates versus what, what do you what do you do you hold hold fire on so yeah economically i won't put numbers out there uh, until we go out to market and kind of go here's our plan for for the next 12 months uh, and then that becomes formal shape wise yeah there's lots of different bits to it but then that's broken down into different teams so there's quite a lot of different variants due to, due to the scale which sounds like i'm trying to dodge a really direct question but it's actually it's the complexity of it it sits together i get it i get it it sits together as a framework well to finish this off then obviously it's been about a year we, we sat down in in april last year i was flying to south africa we met in london 
how have you managed the the, the family, the, the the father, the husband side of this in the last twelve months? Because you you said to me, look, I'm gonna run at this, and I'm probably yeah. gonna be traveling, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go for it. And you have. I've seen it on LinkedIn. You've been so visible, and it's been great to watch. And you know, we've been working with your teams on their LinkedIn, and it's been it's been great fun. But outside of all that, like. How are you managing the balance and staying present and, and everything else that, that, that's required to be that that family man? Yeah, I think, I think like most things, you you go with your best endeavours, you know you muck it up, but you it's with the right intent. So um, thankfully, my, my wife is someone I met at the company, so she she has a passion um, for the organisation as well. So I got uh, a, a good amount of support from that. Um, my daughter has always come into the business a lot. She introduced me at our end of year awards and big uh, family festival that we did for the first time this summer so fa family and i come from a family run business backup so i uh, there's always been child number one was the was the business and then we were the other siblings to it so for me it's very integrated um uh, i think certainly in those first three to six months it, it was every hour and probably too many hours thrown in it to build a momentum but it's like getting anything going if it if you don't put any energy in at the front end, you're never going to get it going. Yeah. Once it starts going, then that should give you moments. And, and I've certainly gone from very, very long days, seven days a week, um, to actually more controlled days, and also being really comfortable that my job isn't to do everything. My job is to be thinking about what else we're doing and empower and, uh, people to, to crack on and do it, and, and actually taking those times out and spending a few hours going out for a walk just to clear the headspace uh, and making sure that you are taking the, the, the time out. So I certainly haven't nailed it. Uh, we haven't quite had as many um, family breaks as, as one would want, but we, we've got a nice one to Australia, hopefully early next year. Um, uh, and it's it's just making sure if you are, if I am here, I'm trying to be present um, and having the moments with, with my wife and daughter as opposed to being home, but being on the Teams channel, being on the staff engagement one. Again, have not nailed it. My wife's bound to listen to this and she give me a clip around the ear uh, if, if I don't own that. But it goes through waves. And, and I think that my history of being moving into a new job, which isn't established in the organisation and knowing I've got kind of six months to work it out, 12 to 18 months to get it to operationally excellent, and then yeah. six to 12 months to go what's next. That kind of mindset, it's a, it's a well-trodden path. I haven't done that at 10 other companies like some of the people you, you might have interviewed. I've done that within the same organisation. So it is a lot of concentrated energy at the beginning and then it should ease off and it should go in phases of this is going to be crazy for the next two weeks but let's go and get the time back the week after and yeah that that is the nature of this job i don't think i would have ever put my name in a hat and wouldn't have been the right person for it if you don't know it sometimes it's going to dominate your life and other times it's fine that it doesn't and being okay with that and creating the space matt time's up loved it what a what a pleasure what an inspiring story and conversation i mean you've definitely you've, you've achieved stuff that most people i know haven't you've been in a business for that long but you've reinvented yourself over and over again i like the making yourself redundant mantra i think a lot of people could learn from that and um i think in this look in in, in recruitment it can become a little bit repetitive right there's no denying that like if you just recruit forever in the same market it can be bloody repetitive so i think there is there is a place for people that want to go out and do that on their own and just don't have to worry about, you know, the, the people side and just build and have a lifestyle. And that's amazing. And I, I love interviewing those guys, but then you 
you've done it a different way where you reinvent yourself, you change roles, you, you know, you have these, it's almost like a project, you're on a project by project basis, consistently solving problems, creating new, new, new markets, new teams, new divisions, and then moving forward. And I can't see how you get bored doing that. You're never going to get to a point where it's completely BAU because by the time you're at that, you've made yourself redundant again and you're doing something else. So it's the, the irony, Sean, that probably 30% of the work I'm doing to simplify the business is actually tidying up, tidying up some of the problems I created uh, over the last 20 years, which were all through right intent, but actually made us more complex than we needed to at times. Yeah. Well. So yeah, it, it, hey, we, we, we are, um, we, we are we are a business on a really exciting journey and that that makes me super proud um i find it really interesting in our industry that kind of the first question is wow you've stayed uh, but it's like actually the things you get to do when you do stay um the business has sent me off to harvard studied out there you i've traveled the world i've i've, I've really had an impact on lots and lots of people's lives uh, and their careers in a positive way you get to do that when you hang around you, you get to do that as you really build something of, of scale and that that for me is going to be super rewarding um whenever that that journey comes to an end um, you're uh, probably famous in hampshire as well now you're probably like well known like people waving that's, that's, that's yeah I, one of my predecessors uh who's who's local who i still keep in touch with as a mentor used to say back in the day like wherever he went he's always saying Hey, mate, hey, buddy, because he wasn't too sure whether they worked for us, whether they used to work for us, whether they're a competition. But there, there is, I wouldn't say famous, but um, uh, certainly when you, you've had a good organization in the same location from a headquarters point of view um, uh, for, for quite a while, then, then yeah, it's well known. And we, um, we hire really good people. So uh, whether they stay with us or whether they go off to do something new, they're really good people. Um, so they're, they're, uh, they're, they're good to have a drink with. I think I was out Saturday night and with some, some mates and every venue we went to, we bumped into someone who used to work for us or does work for us, but they're, they're all good people you'd happily have a drink with, which is a really, uh, really proud thing to say. Amazing. Well, mate, look, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Um, this will be um, definitely beneficial and, and, and valuable to a lot of people. If anyone does want to reach out to you, perhaps someone who's on that career journey and wants to become the CEO of a big company that they're in, and wants your advice is that okay if they reach out yeah absolutely yeah more, more than happy it's um uh this is all about helping people along their journey so more than happy to do so amazing and matt look we're going to get you back on in the future we're going to check in and see how you're uh how you're tracking and you, uh you, you should we should have done one at the start of this and seen how much i've aged in 12 months and maybe do another in 12 months to see uh see how that's shifted don't be daft, mate. I've, like I say, I've, I've, in the last 12 months since I met you, I've got engaged, I've got married, I've got pregnant, I bought a house, I sold a house, I've built a garage, I've done my garden, I've done everything, and that's not in the business, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm, this long hair is is making me look older, feel older. I don't know what to do. I might just shave my head. <laughs> Been um, fun, though, no doubt. Been fun. Loved it. Take care of yourself, Thanks mate. Soon. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thank you, as always, for listening to today's show. I truly, truly hope that you got value from it. That's the only reason I take time every week is to ensure that my audience, future and existing recruitment owners are learning from each other to make this industry that I love so much stronger. Today's episode is brought to you by Hoxo Media. I am the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media and we are the world's leading content marketing and personal branding agency for recruitment businesses specifically. So we are working with over 200 agencies and 2000 recruiters right now both managing the brands, producing content, building written video podcast content for niche recruitment agencies all over the world, as well as coaching at a desk level 
individual recruiters in your businesses how to be better on LinkedIn. That's how to brand themselves. That's how to produce content. That's how to use the opportunity on LinkedIn to get traffic to their profiles and turn that into business. We're coaching people all over the world every single day. If any of that sounds of interest, please do visit www.hoxomedia.com or drop me, Sean Anderson, a personal message on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. I'll see you soon.